On this episode of Red Dirt America, I get to talk with an iconic rock legend, John Sebastian, better known as the founder of The Loving Spoonful. Do you believe in magic? Well, John does, and we talk about a magical moment that turned sour. Do you remember what that moment was like for you? Not that marvelous. Not that marvelous. No, not that marvelous. No. Uh, uh, details? I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance to real country music. This is Red Dust America with Chuck Taylor. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to do this. Uh, it's it's an absolute pleasure. I've been a fan of your music for many, many years. Oh, well, I'm delighted. Well, let's uh, let's talk first about the uh, the new project uh, that just came out this at the tail end of last year. John Sebastian and Arlen Roth explore the Spoonful songbook. This is a great reimagining of your songs. I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> As you can imagine, uh, I had some trepidation about revisiting things that had been so uh, you know successful. And uh, uh, it was really uh, Arlen's inspiration. He was the guy who said, so you've never done like an instrumental spoonful album? And I said, no. Um, I explained to him that I'd always been afraid of it. And so without making much out of it, he and I just began casually playing some of the better known hits And uh, I was, of course, amazed at how much of Zalyanovsky he had taken in. It was quite remarkable. Yeah, it's 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 a great album. I had never, ever thought of Do You Believe in Magic being being an instrumental. And I love the way it came out. You know, that's all Arlen's skills, I tell you. Uh, once we got going, I mean, it was quickly evident that my job was to just provide this pretty much the same foundation as I provided for Zalman. And uh, that was the way that that uh, that uh, emerged was that Ireland is such a really colorful instrumentalist and such a variety of interests musically, which is very much the the spoonful idea was, no, we don't just do this or that. We kind of want to do everything. And, you know, especially in, in the Americana world, it, it, it works because back then when, when the songs originally came out, you know, it was considered uh, pop and, and AC and, and light rock. Now it really fits in with the Americana and the country sound. Indeed. Indeed. Let me ask you this. How did you and Arlen first meet? Can you take me back to that, that, that initial meeting? Sure. Well, you know, we've been trying to isolate that. We've really known each other a long time. We've both lived in Greenwich Village for extended periods, and we've both lived uh, or and even more worked in Woodstock, New York. Um, But as close as we can figure it, it might have been sometime 
about 1975 that uh, uh, he and I were drafted for some benefit or another. And uh, I just noticed immediately that, like, oh, well, we fall into our roles pretty quick, don't we? Uh, you know, and that was that was that was what I was enjoying was that, you know, oh, this is the same job I know, which is just hang on. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, you guys, I mean, there just seems to be a camaraderie, and 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 it sounds like that camaraderie was was pretty much there from the beginning. It definitely was, you know, a musical camaraderie and uh, mutual interest in obscure instruments. Uh, both of us get calls not only for being, you know, the guy under the spotlight, but also for being the other guy, <laughs> the multi-instrumentalist is what we usually get called. Absolutely. Um you know, we've 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 alluded to it. I mean, everybody who knows you, who who knows your history, knows uh, you're a founding member of of the Loving Spoonful. Um, sure. You got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2000. Do you remember what that moment was like for you? Not that marvelous. Not that marvelous. No, not that marvelous. No. Uh, uh, details. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. They say, okay, so now here's your time to, uh, you know, play your tunes. So we get up there and we start, do you believe in magic? And Joe's foot pedal has not been properly assembled and it flies off of the bass drum. Oh, no. So Joe, and I'm singing now and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm hearing what's going on, so you can hear me. Ah, I'm like screaming. I'm not having any fun singing, and uh, so you know. And Joe is gesturing with while he plays with one backbeat stick. He's gesturing with the other to say, "Help me!" And nobody is <laughs> coming anywhere close to us. Uh, and uh, so we finished the tune and go, hey, well, look, yeah, I mean, you can see what happened. The damn bass drum uh, pedal came off. Uh, so, you know, let, let us get that fixed and let's go again. Oh, I'm sorry. We really don't have time for that. And, you know, we can fix this so easily uh, with uh, with a, uh, you know, uh, a machine and be a bass drum. I, I was just so gobsmacked because, I mean, uh, I consider Paul Schaefer an ally. He was a marvelous help way back when uh, in the dawn of Saturday Night Live. I did. I just had a hit with Welcome Back. Right. And man, by the time I showed up to play the song, Paul had it so exactly right that I, you know, I immediately said, John, this is a really good player and and plus you know he's he, that odd kind of uh uh, uh hilarity that's very borscht belt the hilarity that he has but uh, uh that didn't that didn't help me then man so so we got, we got rushed off the stage so so what should have been what should have been a fantastic moment should have been like one of the highlights of your career completely ruined. 
Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know, these are the jokes sometimes. Yeah. Stuff plays out. So if, if you look back, and, and you've had a storied career, I mean, you, 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 know, you pretty much coined the, uh, the phrase Nashville Cats. Uh, I mean, that's what they call the musicians now after your song there. Um, yeah. you've, you've, you've played with you know, artists, or you've been covered by Elvis Costello, you've been covered by Johnny Cash, Dale McCurry, you've played with lots of artists. If you look back over your career... What is the moment that obviously not the Hall of Fame induction, but what's that moment that you're proudest of? Okay, so I get the normal call that I get from Jimmy Vivino, who his joke is, I'll always hire you a second guitar because you never go above the third fret. (laughs) All right. So that's that's the frame. And I get one of those calls. And uh, he said, yeah, just just come on in uh, and uh, play with uh, Johnny and I were playing. I forget which of those car named clubs that were, uh, you know, kind of uh, all blues clubs in the 90s. Uh, Yeah, in the 90s. And so I go there. And it turns out that it's Johnny Johnson that he's playing with. And so there's a moment where uh, we launch into a set and comes time for a Chuck Berry tune. And I know the job and I start playing and Johnny does that thing. That's it, it like it's it's like an experience of having the entire room suddenly start to sway and rock. And that is his magic that you can't imitate it. It is just and to be playing that mama's little baby Chuck Berry lick and to hear Johnny you know that offbeat thing that that he does yeah oh that was it that was like thank you this is this is what i came for man yeah that i mean i've got two or three others that are equivalent playing with hubert sumlin was like that playing with yank racial and and actually playing my baby left town and left me a mule to ride with him I wow. mean, it was unbelievable so really those are the moments uh i think uh vivino and i have a, a similar uh assessment of of what is Fame and what is what we want as musicians. And uh, I don't know if you ever get a chance to read the fretboard journal that both of us had articles in it, but Jimmy's is just great where he explains, no, uh, it's not the money. It isn't even fame in the universal sense. But when I walk into a trashy club, back room and the oldest guy in the group holds his hand up and goes, Hey Jimmy, how you doing? That's my reward. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've, I've talked with many musicians over the years, and 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 I get a similar story from a lot of them. You know, they're they're the ones that I know because I, I talk with a lot of the Texas music scene and the Americana music musicians. Yeah, and yes. and and it's not about the fame. It's it's about creating their art, but it's also about that moment when they stand up on stage. And the crowd singing that song back with them, to them, uh, they said, there's, there's no other moment like that that you can experience in your life when that crowd just knows the words to every single song and they're singing it back at you. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So I thought the, uh, the moment you might have brought up was uh, back in August of 1969 when you were going to Woodstock as a, uh, just a spectator and you ended up playing a solo acoustic set. I got drafted, yep. So there, there are stories that, that, that happened on a, a Saturday um, before Santana or, or, or there's, there's other stories that had happened on Friday after Richie Havens. What's the true story? It, it happened on Saturday and it happened when there was a slight break in the rain. And the only I was on stage just as, a, uh, as an observer and I knew everybody pretty much. The music business was much smaller. You know, most of us had all opened for each other in various uh, situations. So so we were already, you know, comfortable. And I was comfortable with wandering around the stage area. And that was when uh, I was, I guess I was between uh, uh, Chip Monk and Michael. And that's when they start this conversation going. So, yeah, we need we got to find a guy, you know, who can hold them. We got to find a guy who can hold them with one guitar. So maybe like a songwriter and one guitar. And I'm staring at the uh, at the audience while they're talking. And I'm not looking at either one of them. <laughs> and I, I think I had. I'm. 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 I'm nodding my head. Yeah, that's that's sure. What would that would solve the problem? Pretty. And then I turn and I look, and I realize they're both looking at me. <laughs> and I go, fellas, I I don't have a guitar. I you know, I don't. I got a thumb pick maybe, but I don't even have a guitar. And and uh, Chip Monk in that wonderful voice says. Well, John, you have several minutes to find one. <laughs> so I went downstairs, and I, uh, uh, luckily my, my pal Tim Harden, who I recorded with and done sets with in the village forever, is uh, lying around down, downstairs, and I say, Tim, I, I just got drafted. Can I borrow your guitar? He goes, sure. And so there I was with a... A nice harmony sovereign. Wow, that's got to be cool to 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 be a part of that history, right? I mean, because when 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 you when you look at the musical history, that was one of the great moments in music history was was Woodstock, yes. and nobody knew it at the time. Nobody knew it was going to be that great, but it ended up being one of the greatest concerts ever. I would not have known that it was going to be great had I not gotten. A, a, a kind of a go-ahead from Paul Rothschild, a famous producer for The Doors, and me and Janis Joplin, and a, a, just a remarkable number of people on the mostly Electra roster. 
um, who said, uh, you know, this this may be something bigger than anybody has any idea about, and you should go. I mean, that was why I just kind of made my way to the Albany airport. Man, that I'm, I'm just I'm I'm at a loss for words because uh, it's such a cool moment. And, and 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 to be talking to somebody who was actually there at the time, you know, I was maybe I'll be maybe three years old at the time, um, so I had no idea about any of that stuff. But I yeah. I've been passionate about music my entire life, and so to get to talk to somebody who was there to hear your story, uh, just it, it's special. It was an amazing moment for sure. So the uh, the new album just came out like was it September that it came out? I think it was September. Yeah. Uh, it explore you know you and Arlen Roth explore the uh, spoonful songbook and and as we talked about earlier at the start of the interview, you you kind of do it uh, in a unique way and it's 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 fantastic. It's a great album and anybody who loves the loving spoonful should should get this album. Absolutely. Um, I do want to close the interview with asking you one question. Yes. What song changed your life? Okay. That's a big question. Because there's, it's all in stages. I mean, Big Rock Candy Mountain. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was going... Hey, what is that? <laughs> uh, you know, what, that sort of bouncy thing. Or what's going on there? And then, of course, uh, I mean, stuff like that'll be the day. Right. And any of those first Chuck Berry tunes were just, they floored me. Uh, a tune like a whole lot of shaking going on. Uh, that I I was trying to find that record for days and days, and I think I bought two records that were fake versions <laughs> <laughs> before I actually got the real one. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I, I really think that stuff like that, and then like something as simple as. Uh, Minglewood Blues is a jug band tune that has not only this marvelous harmonica player, but it also has Yank Racial, who I would in my uh, in in the uh, early 90s end up playing with in Indianapolis. Wow. Brownsville together, Brownsville, Tennessee. And that's right in that little, in that rock and roll triangle of Brownsville and uh, Jerry Lee's from uh, Faraday, Louisiana, and and uh, uh, Carl Perkins is from another small Tennessee town right near Brownsville. So, wow. yeah, I mean, I was experiencing that there was just that was such an amazing experience. Well, it has been an amazing experience getting to talk to you. Uh, And I want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, An absolute pleasure. And again, I want to remind my listeners uh, to pick up Explore Spoonful Songbook. Um, It's it's great. 
13 songs completely reimagined and done like nobody else could do them. Uh, you know, I'll go along with that. <laughs> <laughs> John Sebastian, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for such a friendly interview. If you enjoyed this episode of Red Dirt America, make sure you like and subscribe so you won't miss any more episodes. And if you'd like to, leave a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll see you down the road.